Buenas noches, damas y caballeros. I'm just kidding. We're not doing that in Spanish. Uh, <clears throat> last week, you got the extent of my Spanish, and so I'm not going to do it again. It's too difficult, and I don't speak Spanish very well. But anyway, welcome to God Country Coffee, Friday edition, 7 p.m., 1900 standard, however you want to call it. Uh, we have an incredible guest tonight. Um, I got her book on Monday and I have not been able to put it down. I've been going through it. I'm a slow reader. I always have been. It takes me a long time to get through books, but uh, I'm absolutely stuck on this book. Uh, and I'll, you know, I think I'm probably around chapter six or seven right now. And so uh, it's just an incredible read. Uh, and it's so relevant to a lot of things that are going on today. Uh, I want to first and, and foremost thank God for everything that he's been doing. Uh, I've been sick all week. I was really worried this morning. It felt like it settled in my chest. So I went to the doctor and and I am negative for flu, negative for COVID, negative for all that stuff. And so um, I'm very grateful for that. Just just a bad head cold that is starting to drip down into my chest. Uh, keep me in your prayers for that. Keep third day coffee in your prayers. I leave my job uh, in eight working days and uh, at the, the 24th of February. So keep us in your prayers for that. Um, coffee's going very well. Without delay, I'm going to bring my guest on. Uh, her name is D.A. Michaels, and we're going we're gonna to have a great, great talk here. Hang on one second, people. Hello, Donna. You there? I am. Okay. Welcome to the show. Thank uh, you. First off, I, I just want to thank you for taking your time, um, you know, to do this. Uh, I know that you, uh, uh, I'll just say a little bit and I'll let you talk about the rest of it. But uh, Donna is a Navy veteran, uh, which is near and dear to my heart. I'm a Navy vet myself. Um, she is in law enforcement and uh, in one of the Southern states. And, uh, and she has written a book. Uh, the cover of the book is behind me, Courageously Broken. Um, and I have, I have no doubt in my mind that that's going to be on the New York bestsellers list, uh, in, in the, in the, you know, weeks and months to come, because I really, I, I'm not one to read. I have, to, I, you do everything on audible. Uh, but when I find a book that I really enjoy, I mean, I just, I buy the heart. I like to have the paper and I like to sit down and read, even though it takes me a lot longer. And, uh, I just, I really enjoy it. Um, and so, I have no doubt that this book's going to go far and in your message is really what's going to captivate people. Thank you. And so uh, without further ado, DA Michaels, and uh, I would just like for you to introduce yourself. Tell us where you were uh, raised. Basically I, I tend to use high school is where I'm from, right? Most people do, especially military folks that move around, but tell us where you're from and what it was that led you up to joining the military. Okay, sure. Um, well, first and foremost, thank you for uh, inviting me. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. So I really appreciate that and, and the memorable kind words. Um, well, uh, my I go by on my book, D.A. Michaels. I, my name is actually Donna. The reason I did not put Donna Michaels, and we talked about my little disclaimer, the reason I put and did, <clears throat> didn't put Donna Michaels on the cover of the book is because there's actually another author by the name of Donna Michaels. And she writes... Uh, hot steamy romance novels about you know affairs with all of all things navy seals so i didn't want to get confused with the other donna michaels 
So I, I decided to go with my initials. And so if any towns, it's because I can't pick one. I love them both. I was born in Florida, raised here until I was 13. And then my parents moved me to uh, the Western North Carolina Appalachian Mountains where I went to high school there. And um, very different lifestyle. Go went from the beach, you know, the beaches and the surf to the remote mountains. And I, that's why I say I love them both because they, they both have benefits. That's awesome. So, <clears throat> uh, what what led up to you just deciding I'm going to join the military? Donna. Yeah, froze up. All right, hang with me, folks. We'll figure this out here in just a second. Okay. Stay with me, folks. I'm going to, uh, I just lost her. She'll jump right back on. Uh, and then we'll just continue from there. Um, I got to tell you that her story is incredible. You're really going to want to stick through this and, and hear what she has to say. And at the same time, I'm trying to, uh, to pull up, um, uh, different windows, uh, to watch so I can see comments Thank you, Carrie. She did freeze. I don't know how to fix that. Hopefully she will just chime right back in with the same link I sent her. Okay. There, she's coming on back on. Okay, here we go. <laughs> there, I don't here. know. It was bizarre, but but yeah. uh, <laughs> froze, and then I was like, oh, man, because I was trying to click Windows so I could see comments uh, on the other side, and as soon as I clicked one, you stopped talking, and you just froze, and I was like. It was weird, and on my end, I heard you for a second, and then it dropped out, and I'm like, I'm checking with my internet connection. Everything looks okay. I'm like, what happened? Oh, well, where were we? <laughs> okay, so you were talking about that you claimed two homes. Right. Florida, and then... Uh, North, in the, North Carolina. Think, yeah, the Carolinas. Yeah, West Western North Carolina. Um, beautiful mountain country. And I still have great, you know, friends there that I went to high school with. Um, North Carolina. Beautiful. Got out of the Navy. And I ended up back in Florida because this is where opportunity was. So I'm getting a little bit of feedback. Do you hear that? I It should have went away. I accidentally hit um, one of the uh, other windows that I had open. Okay. Well, I thought that's what happened right before I got disconnected last time. I wanted to make sure it wasn't on my end. Yeah, I did that last well, time. I'm not touching anything. I was scared. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, please don't let me do this again. Um, uh, so okay. I, I went in the Navy 
because I came from a very uh, patriotic family. My grandfather was a World War II veteran. Uh, his He had 17 siblings um, and all of the boys with the exception of one uh, went into World War II. Uh, the only one reason that the one didn't go in, I think was it was a medical reason. I think back then it was flat feet or something like that that disqualified him. Uh, but all of his brothers, they served. Um, my father served. My father's brother served. So both sides of my family were all Navy. So it was kind of a no-brainer which which branch I would join. I went in because I just really wanted to see the world. And I had a strong um, sense of duty. I, I just knew college wasn't for me. And I mean, I had good grades and everything. That wasn't an issue. I just... I didn't want to learn about the world through a book. I wanted to see it with my own eyes. So I felt like the only way to really do that was to get out and see it. And the military seemed like a great way to go. And I was about 13 when the USS Stark uh, was attacked in, uh, I believe it was Libya. Um, and I just remember seeing that on the news and it troubled me. You know, it really upset me. And I just, kind of knew right then and there that it was like a calling, like that's what I wanted to do. And I waited until I was uh, 16 to actually 15 or 16 to tell my parents. And I thought for sure that they were going to shoot me down and no way and this, that, and the other thing. And they were all for it. They were really, really supportive. So that was, that was it. I knew, I knew at a young age that that's what I was going to do. And the truth is I planned on making a career out of it, but the defense budget cutbacks in the early 90s um, unfortunately got the best of me because I was still uh, on my first contract. So everything happens for a reason. And that's kind of the moral of the story to my book that, you know, sometimes, you know, the old Garth Brooks song, you know, unanswered prayers, you know, sometimes we don't get what we want, but later on we figure out why, you know, and, and some of the things kind of suck really bad, but even then they have a purpose. Uh, before we get deeper into that, I totally agree with you on that part. A hundred percent. You know, I, I thought that God had done things in my life. I blamed him. Uh, and I, I read, you know, into the part, some of the stuff that, uh, that you were talking about earlier about same kind of thing, you know, you just, uh, you get to a point where you just like, God, why would you let this happen? But before, before I get, we get any deeper into that, um, I'm going to do a quick shout out to uh, Tricon fitness, my brother, uh, his website is in my, um, in the, in the um, comments. And so if you'll look in the comments, it's the very first one, Tricom Fitness. He's doing a, what, what he calls a seven by seven, which is a seven month, $77 a month, seven men only. Uh, I've already signed up and it's nutrition and coaching and accountability and everything. Uh, you know, if you've been waiting to get up off your rear end and get back in, back in the game, then, uh, uh, reach out to Brian Stacy. He goes by PK Stacy on Facebook. Uh, and again, I put his website uh, in the comments. So just look at the very first comment. You'll find it. Also, briefly, third day coffee. We sell coffee. We sell the best coffee this side of heaven. And uh, as you can see here, I have this awesome pray hat from JD Tyranny. He's also a veteran entrepreneur. Uh, and you'll see that my my name today is lfmissions.org. I'm raising $500 for my birthday, which is February 10th, uh, for LF Missions so that they can build a church 
uh, in Sierra Bueno, Honduras, which is where my coffee this comes. This awesome pray hat from JD Tyranny. Sorry, and my bad. He's also a veteran entrepreneur. No problem. And <laughs> so, uh, if you guys would just keep those things in mind, I just wanted to get them before we got any deeper because I know that uh, once Donna gets rolling here, uh, not only is she going to get rolling, but you're going to be glued to this thing. And I don't want to interrupt her after this. So, uh, are you saying I talk a lot? No, I'm saying that you have incredible, captivating story that I'm not going to interrupt. Everybody that knows me knows I talk a lot, so it's okay. So, uh, now, before, before we do that, I'm going to, I did say previously that I was going to do a special code during every episode, and I'm going to put the code in the comments right now. The code is good for one month. It's good until, um, until March 7th, and it's good for 20% off of anything in our store. And the, the code is EPI10. And that does not stand for epidemiologist, even though my wife is an epidemiologist. It stands for episode 10. I just didn't want to put the S in there. So people would wonder, well, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean anything. What it means is that you get 20% off of everything in our store. And you're only going to hear it on this on this show or on the replay. And, um, and Annette, thank you for chiming in. Justin, Ranger Dan, I thank you all for watching. Uh, please stay tuned. This is going to be incredible. Uh, this woman has an incredible story, uh, and uh, and we're going to get there. And so I'm going to let you run with this now. I'm going to get out of your way. Uh, I, I mean, take it, track us down the book. I mean, tell us how how that came about, and 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 then just go where you want to go with it. Because, like I said, I. I'm not even halfway through your book and I'm already sucked in. So talk about well, it. I'm, I, I will tell you that the feedback I've gotten um, thus far since it came out veterans day has been beyond my wildest expectations. And I'm truly humbled, honored and extraordinarily thrilled at the positive feedback that I've gotten. Um, my mission is to, erase the stigma of PTSD. I mean, that's, that's my passion. That's what I'm trying to do. I tell people all the time, they said, Oh, you know, well, first of all, I've had a crazy life and it's all in the book. And I've been told for years, Oh, you should write a book one day. And, and I'd laugh you like, who's got time for that. Right. Or, or sometimes I would say, yeah, but I'm waiting for my happy ending. I don't, I don't, I don't have my happy ending yet. Um, and then the book actually happened by accident. I was diagnosed with PTSD three years ago. I went into a really bad, dark place. Um, and it's a combination of a traumatic event that happened in when I was in the military, um, compounded by year 20, you know, 20 years in law enforcement. Well, at the time it was 17, 17 years in law enforcement of seeing tragic, horrible things that human beings aren't meant to see, you know, and our brain has a difficult time processing it, right? So with first responders, it's more of like a chronic PTSD. With military people, it's usually more of an acute because it's a one major traumatic event. With me, it's kind of a, a complex both. Um, so I got diagnosed three years ago, and I when I when I when it how do I say this? When Pandora's box blew up, right? It was like one more. It was it was the straw that broke the tamp the camel's back. It was a traumatic event at work. Um, and it was just one too many horrible things. And it, it took me to my knees and I went into a really bad place. And 
thankfully uh, to a very, very dear friend who will forever remain my best friend. Um, he answered his phone that day and he was horrible about answering his telephone. Um, and I was prepared to leave a voicemail and he answered his phone on a Saturday and I lost it and I fell apart and he took me into getting some help and I did. And then as the next couple years went by a series of, you know, it seemed like one positive thing after another, which I didn't recognize at the time, right? In hindsight, I look back and I go, oh, that was an angel that came into my world. And I, I didn't even know it. And and I, there's a whole chapter about, you know, angels come in all shapes and sizes. They're, they're everywhere. They're human beings just like you, right? But for some reason, somebody comes into our life and they, they have an impact on us. And as soon as their purpose is over with, they kind of float out again. It wasn't so on my I, um, I was trying to deal with all the traumatic events that had happened over the years. And in the course of it, I was struggling with my memory and that had been going on for a while. Uh, I'd be in a conversation with my mom and, and she would be like, come on, how do you, how come you don't remember that? And these were things from my teen years, you know, just how come you don't remember this or how come you don't remember that? And I would get aggravated. I'm like, I don't know why I don't remember it. I just don't remember it. Maybe it wasn't that important to me. I don't know. And I found out when I was going through therapy that, you know, our brain will compartmentalize the bad things and we put it in a box and we put it in the back on the shelf and we leave it alone and we don't ever want to touch it again. You know, we just push it away. Sometimes good things will accidentally get shoved into those boxes. And that's kind of what was happening to me. So I was talking to, I, I go to two reunions a year, one in the fall, one in the spring, and I would go to these reunions and my peers would be telling stories from the good old days. And I was sitting there lost because like I would have maybe like a snapshot in my brain. I kind of sort of maybe remembered it, but I didn't remember enough of it to enjoy it. And they're like, how can you not remember this? You were there. And I'm like, and it was frustrating because I wanted to remember. You know, these sound like some great, hilarious stories. So they told me to start journaling. And they said, when you get to something that you want to remember, or in some cases, you know, you, you may not want to remember it, but you need to remember it. Um, call somebody that was there and see if they can help you fill in the blanks. So that's what I started doing. I started journaling. And when I would get to something that I wanted to remember, I would call somebody and say, hey, do you remember this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, help me fill in the blanks. This is what I remember. What do you remember? And together, it was like putting a puzzle together. And as I was journaling all this, some of the memories were freaking awesome. I mean, I was laughing till I was crying, you know, and then some of the memories were awful, but I needed to remember those too, because I couldn't move past them until I dealt with them. Right. So this ended up being a really cathartic thing was the journaling. Well, when I got to probably about the spot where you're at right now, six or chapter six or seven, I sent it to that same best friend that answered the phone that day. And he knows me better than I know myself. I mean, he really does. He remembers shit that I wish I could remember. You know, he's got a crazy good memory. So I sent it to him and I said, hey, what do you think? And he got back to me and he goes, this is good. He said, you need to, uh, you need to entertain maybe sharing this. I'm like, what? You know, are you crazy? I mean, because there's some really personal stuff in there. And he's like, think about it. He goes, because if you think that you and I are the only ones with PTSD, he goes, you realize like everybody we know 
has some form of it or another. And I'm like, that's true. You know, when we started talking about how everybody goes through shit in their life, I mean, even if you never served, even if you were never a first responder, you know, there's people that are victims of domestic violence. There's children that were abused when they were young. There's, you know, people who have been victims of armed robbery, just doing their job at work. I mean, any type of traumatic event, car crashes. I mean, the list goes on and on. Anybody is susceptible to PTSD. The reason we as veterans and first responders um, are, are more associated with it is because the likelihood for us is much higher because of all the trauma that we're exposed to versus the average person, right? But it can truly happen to anybody. So we talked about it and it's like, you know, it's a shame it's got such a, a stigma because it's the media, you know, oh, veteran goes on killing spree. He must have had PTSD, you know, and, and it was getting this horrible stigma, you know, where people who didn't understand it and didn't know what it was thought that somebody with PTSD was dangerous. And that, you know, I, I would hear people say that myself. They didn't know I had it because I don't go around advertising it. Well, I didn't at the time anyway. Um, now I'm comfortable with it and I can talk about it. But for a long time, like, that's why I wouldn't get help. I didn't want that stigma. I didn't want that label. I didn't want, I thought I was going to lose my career. I, I was scared to death to deal with it, to accept it. And I realized that that's the reason the suicide rates are so high because there's so many good people out there suffering and struggling out there suffering. They're afraid of that stigma. They're afraid of that label. And I thought about it and I'm like, you know what, if, if sharing my story will, will help other people get the help that they need, you know, especially when the demons come out and the demons are getting the best of them, then I can do that. It took me a little while. I had, I had to really like get to that place where I was comfortable with it, but I had a lot of support and a lot of engagement and um, that's, that's pretty much it. I think I like you said, I do ramble. I went on and on and on. I probably went way past where you wanted me. No, so. no, no. I, that's great. Uh, and I'm, I apologize. The dogs are, are losing their minds. Mama's coming home. Uh, but God willing, in another week or two, uh, we will be in uh, our new shop that will be soundproof from the dogs, I think. We'll see. Uh, and we won't have these. <laughs> it's not over well, yet. It's a matter but... of time you're going to hear mine. So there's food in the kitchen right now. So they're not interested in me. But when the food's gone, they'll be they'll be bugging me to come in here. She hasn't walked into the house yet. She just drove up. So this is them hearing her on the on the street rolling up into the house, and and then they'll lose their minds when she walks in. And, <laughs> anyway, well, you know something I want to hit on that that you that you commented on there was you know you made a phone call. And you were you were grateful that this individual answered your call. And I, I've talked about this uh, with several of my guests, um, you know, uh, Doc Jocelyn, uh, you know, my pastor uh, that have all been on the show. And and it's amazing what a simple phone call or a text will do for somebody who needs to hear from somebody or somebody who needs to. You know, just know that somebody's got your back and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, that's such a big deal today um, that we don't, everybody just thinks it's nothing, that it's just, oh, it's not a big deal, you know. But um, I want to share one of the comments too, that while you were talking about, about 
<clears throat> being a police officer, being a law enforcement and uh, seeing some of these horrific things that, that you see uh, Ranger Dan, who is the owner of coffin coffee company. He's he chimed in here. Thanks for the, uh, for the joke Ranger. I love it. Uh, I wouldn't have it any other way from an army guy, but he said, I can relate. I can relate to that. He, he, his quote, in fact, I'm going to put it up here. I can, he says, I can really relate. And, um, and so, uh, you know, your, your story resonates with people because it's something that not everybody. Now, every veteran who's been deployed forward can, uh, can relate to being deployed right in a forward area, but not every person, every military person who's been deployed can relate to, uh, what law enforcement goes through. And I, you know, I talked to you about this last night and firefighters. I mean, they, they see as much of it as we do. Oh yeah. Um, and you have to think about these people are on deployment every single day that they put their uniform on. It doesn't end in two years or four years or six years or, or even 20. It ends when they take the uniform off for the last time. Uh, or, you know, tragically if they're killed in the line of duty, but they're on deployment every single day, they can't get away from it unless they leave the, the field. And so, you know, I think that's a, a hugely uh, understated area that we overlook constantly. Um, you know, our firefighters, our police officers, you know, our medics, uh, you know, in the civilian sector, nurses in the trauma, uh, you know, ward at, at the hospitals. We take that for granted that, um, you know, it's our military that, and it is our military that they do need that because mm -hmm. they are sent to a different land. But like you said yesterday, too, you were talking about, I'll let you elaborate on that because I think you said it perfectly about, you know, the difference between somebody that gets deployed and somebody that's a first responder. And I, just tackle that for a little bit. Well, I, I want to give a shout out to Linda Conrad of Good Canine Academy out in Texas. She is uh, an amazing woman who is training PTSD service dogs for veterans and first responders. And that is one of the nonprofits that I'm donating to um, with the proceeds of my book. But Linda and I had a talk about this one night and, you know, we were talking about a friend of mine who's she's she's hooking up with a dog and she asked me about his needs, like what his triggers were. So we, we talked about it a little bit and it's amazing the difference because like combat vet met uh, sorry combat veterans who've been you know deployed they could get triggered off of something as simple as somebody put their trash out on the wrong trash day you and i we see somebody who put their trash out on the wrong trash day a combat veteran sees that as suspicious and that could be a roadside bomb you know and that could be a trigger for them where they get hyper vigilant thinking why is that trash why is that trash out it's the wrong trash day you know, and everyday people that never had to worry about roadside bombs, we don't, we don't give it a second thought, right? So, you know, that is unfortunately something they bring home with them. But for the most part, you know, unless something triggers them, and, and I'm, I don't want to speak out of turn because I'm not a combat veteran, but from what I've been told, um, for the most part, they can kind of work through those things because they know they left that in the foreign land where they were. For first responders, we're passing our actual locations on a daily basis. A lot of the time, like I can sit here and tell you exactly where every child death 
in my career has occurred. I could drive straight to that house or to that intersection or whatever. And these are intersections that I pass through. If I'm in patrol, I could pass through it six times in a day. You know, um, I can, uh, so we'll go by an intersection or we'll go by a business or we'll go by a home and, or we'll see something. Or if it was, um, you know, a car crash and, and maybe the child was a little girl wearing a pink dress from that point on, every little girl in a pink dress is a memory is a reminder of that call of the little girl who died in a car crash. And you just, you see what I mean? So for us, the triggers are everywhere. And I believe that is why a lot of um, first responders often retire and often move far away from where they worked. You know what I mean? So that they can leave those locations and, and triggers behind. Um, I moved out of my jurisdiction in 2014 because I was, and this was before I got diagnosed, um, but I literally was struggling to sleep at night. Well, I've been struggling to sleep at night for a long time, but it was really particularly bad because I felt like I was on the clock 24 seven. I would literally have people ring my doorbell at one o'clock in the morning because they didn't want to call 911. They saw a cop car in my driveway and they would ring my doorbell. It's like, are you kidding me? You know, I would try to take my dog for a walk at night and, you know, people in the neighborhood knew I was a cop and they would stop me to talk to me about their problem. So I couldn't escape it at all. So I, I, I said, I said to my family, I said, well, I got to go. I, we got to get out of here. I said, I, I, I have to work here. I don't have to live here. So I commute an hour every day to work. I, 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 and it's the best aside from getting help with my PTSD, which, um, came to, like I said, Pandora's box blew up in 2017. That's when that happened. But up until that point, moving away from where I worked was probably the best thing I ever did. Awesome. That's, um, uh, um, you know, I, there's so much that I, I different roads we can go down because you, you have so much, uh, to offer in the terms of value to people listening. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in crisis and it's different things. And, you know, I mean, I, in the talk that I had with you leading up to this, I know that, that we're not the kind that, uh, we're not pansies, you know, we're not a bunch of wimps that run around. We're not snowflakes. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I know that hurts people's feelings and I don't, I'm sorry if it does, you know, I mean, grow up, um, uh, you know, this nowhere in the Bible does it say that this life is going to be easy. And so you can't just sit in the corner and say, oh, poor me. You know, you hurt my feelings. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I need but a training timeout. I want to go to my safe space. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what all that stuff is, but uh, let's talk about some of the things that you're doing. Uh, well, let's talk about your book for a second, because uh, I'm going to put up, I'm going to, you know, the on the bottom of the of the screen, you can see the you my can website. See here. And uh, the reason that, that it looks like a hologram in the middle is because it's that's green cool. green screen. And so it's, it's blocking out the piece that's in there. <laughs> uh, it's courageously broken. And as you can see, I, I'm uh, starting chapter seven and uh, I, I just been, I just 
been not been wanting to let that book sit down. Um, is it, are you, is, is, I know I should have this memorized, but I don't. Is chapter seven, Welcome to the Jungle? Chapter seven is not welcome. Chapter seven is part of the team. Okay. All right. I think the next chapter. You're, you're getting into what probably are my favorite chapters. Yeah. The picture at the end of chapter six was the, I guess, where the, where the, the seal guys, they, they put a plastic liner in the back of a truck. Oh, the boat guys? Those are the boat guys. Yeah, the boat, the boat guys, they won their they won their softball championship and they lined the back of the truck with uh, plastic and turned it into a mobile pool slash slash. <laughs> I want you to see this picture because it's not a big truck. When I read it, I it's thought not. it's like a big old five ton or something. And uh, and, no. and it's, 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 a, a, it's a little it's a little tiny one of those mini uh, trucks. And so I think, I, was, I think it was a. I want to say maybe it was a it's either a Dodge or a, an S10, but yeah, it was small. <laughs> Just a little truck. And I was thinking, you know, when I read it, well, they took this big old five ton or deuce and a half, you know, and they made a swimming pool out of it. <laughs> Tiny compact truck that they piled in. I think it's hilarious. And just, and you can see the smiles on their faces, man. They're just like, Oh man. With it. And so, yeah. You know, uh, I had a I had a, a a friend of mine from work. He was a he was a marine before he became a cop, and he he bought the book and he he called me one day and he goes, "I need to thank you." He goes, you know, first of all, he's, you know, he liked the book and everything. He goes, but he goes, reading this brought so back so many of the good memories with my brothers. He said that we, you know, he invited one of them over and they sat. He goes, neither one of us can remember the last time we sat at, just talked about the old days. And then he said, we, we put down a couple beers around the, the fire pit and, she, you know, talked about stories from back in the day. He says, we were laughing till we were crying. And I'm like, exactly. I'm like, you know, we've all been through a lot of crap. We've got, we're beaten and scarred and whatever, but we also have some good stuff and we need to remember the good stuff, you know? Yeah. I, 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 I think I told you I'm going in March to go see two of my Navy brothers that I have not seen. Uh, since 19, oh man, 95, maybe. Somewhere. Yeah, I think that's what said. Yeah. And man. I'm so happy for you. You are, you are going to have so much fun. Cause I tell you, there is, there's nothing better than those, those reunions. I go to two a year and we only, they only started a couple years ago, but each one just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And now um, my friends in Lakeland, they're the ones that host one of them. And last year, I mean, we had guys there from Washington state, like people came from all over the country I, and it's, just, Oh man, we have a good time. Yeah. And you know, it really is an unbreakable bond. And it's sad though, that, you know, you, you know, people, you need to buy the book that th you can go to the web address on the bottom, courageouslybroken.com. But I, can, can I, can I chime in there? Absolutely. As as I appreciate I appreciate you pushing my website and by all means, I've got a blog on there. I got all kinds of cool stuff on there. But I really need the retail sales. So by all means, it's available through all of the book sales. They can go online with any major, you know, whoever they want to buy their books from, whether it's Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Amazon, whatever. It's available where books are sold. And I need those retail numbers. So because believe it or not, when they buy them from me directly, they don't count towards bestseller. I believe that. Uh, so there you go. Hit Amazon and buy Courageously Broken. And before this is over... I will um, I'll put a link directly to her book on Amazon 
uh, before the, before we get done here. Uh, and that way you, you guys can just track that down and, and, uh, and buy it. Write a review, write a review. I got some good reviews in here, but I can always use more. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that the, the more I, I honestly believe Donna, that once you start, uh, I, I see where Richard Kaufman already hit you up in one of the, uh, one of the messages that I sent out for this show. He said, Hey, Donna, let's talk that, but he's going to put you on his show. I guarantee it. And, uh, and there's a, there's a slew of other veterans that have really great podcasts. I think we have, we have a small success group, uh, that's in messenger. And in that group, there's like four veteran entrepreneurs who have podcasts that are in the top 10 this last year. Wow. And yeah. And so, uh, I have no doubt in my mind, uh, that, uh, you know, as this, as your story starts gaining traction, that, that your, your sales are just going to, they're probably going to blow your mind. So. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited. And you know, it's, it's just because I just really, really want to erase the stigma. I, I, I genuinely in my heart of hearts, I believe that if we can erase the stigma, we can set people straight that there is nothing to be embarrassed about. There's nothing to be ashamed of. You know um, I, I have a challenge coin that's getting designed right now. We're going to have a challenge coin here real soon. And we're actually gonna have some t-shirts and it talks about all heroes you know, have some scars from their battles. There's, there's nothing wrong with having scars from your battles. You know, don't, there's nothing to be ashamed of. So, and, and you didn't go into battle alone. So why should you have to go through this alone? Talk to your friends, talk to your battle buddies, make a simple phone call. It doesn't mean you got to end up. I mean, if you go to therapy, fine, you go to therapy, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes you just need to talk and it's nothing wrong with calling a, a buddy and just talking about, you know, whatever's eating at you, you know? Um, but you know, thank you so much. I, I, I am, I'm over the moon with, with the support and the, and the positive feedback. And I'm really glad you're enjoying it. I think, I think one of the other issues that, that we as veterans and, and people of our generation have is that we are those people who make fun of the feely people, the ones that get hurt all the time. Yeah. We're the ones that do that. Are you yeah. serious? They pull your pants up and stop crying. <laughs> We're the ones that you know, that are that hard mentality of, cause I wasn't raised that way. My dad beat me with a leather belt when I stepped out of line and I deserved it. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I had this conversation earlier that older generation that didn't talk about their feelings and they didn't, you know, do the things that we're talking about. How many of them were alcoholics? How many of them tried to drink away the demons, right? Yeah. I know my grandparents. I know my grandpa. I love him to death. I mean, he was my hero. I get now that I'm talking about him. I keep his picture over my computer. I don't know if you can see it. But can you see him? Oh yeah. That is in Guam during World War II. Wow. So my grandpa was my hero. I loved this man. Um, and but man, he could drink. Oh, he could drink. And, and my mom was raised in that atmosphere. They all drank, but that's how they dealt with this crap back then. Now I'm not condoning drinking, obviously, right. but nowadays, if you drink like they did back then, oh, you're an alcoholic and you lose your job and you got this and there's all these consequences to it. Right. Yeah. And liver disease and your health and all the other bad things. So, but back then that is how they coped with their demons. I could buy the book if I could read. 
kidding. Does Barnes and Noble? Yes. <laughs> Love you, Ranger Dan. That's awesome. Yes, Barnes and Noble does have it. It's available for download on Nook as well. Um, and I am trying to get through the audio recording. I'm, I'm a little slow on it, but I think I'm about halfway through. I think I'm on chapter 10, but I've been so busy lately that uh, I, I got I to gotta get it done. I've got to finish it. So eventually it'll be audio. It'll be, it'll be available in audio. Ranger Dan and you have a good conversation. Ranger Dan is a former, I guess, I don't know if there's any former army Rangers. I don't know how they uh, deal in their communities. I know you don't ever say a, a former Marine. Marine, right? Yeah. Those are fighting <laughs> words. <laughs> but Dan was a Ranger and he owns a coffee company and he's also in law enforcement. Uh, nice. And so, uh, you know that when you were so talking about, like me too that yeah that's when he <laughs> that's when he did that remark and said i i really relate to that mm-hmm. uh because you know he he sees those things and and uh and he you know he goes through them but he's he's been a great help to me he's helped me with some things i was trying to get some equipment and uh he and i used the same person for our coffee uh lf mission the guy who owns lf missions Okay. Uh, we, we both uh, buy coffee from Ashley, and and uh, so, and then we're you know we're all brothers and sisters, right? We're all we're all those uh, they they call us three percenters, but I think we're it's probably closer to like one percent of the population. I heard it was one percent, and then all of a sudden I heard three percent. So I really don't know. I would love to know the actual numbers, though. I really yeah, would. I would too. I'd like to know what they really are. I mean, e- even if it is three percent, it's still such a small number of people who join all five branches. And yes, yeah. we even include the Coasties in our numbers. <laughs> and, uh, I love you guys. I just got to give you crap because, you know, but, you know, the Coasties, they, they put us Navy folks to shame because the guy who did my job in the Coast Guard does like five other jobs, you know? Wow. I mean, he's like an engine man and a comms guy and an electrician all in one. And really? I, I only had to do one thing. Yeah. So we, we, we kid the Coasties quite a bit, but. But they, you know, first off, they have some really cool equipment. Uh, the boats that they have, the cutters and things are just amazing. Uh, but, yeah, they're they're uh, required to know more than just, you know, one trick. And and I only had to learn one trick, you know. And I didn't even get a treat for it, man. I just, I just had to learn one trick. But, my, uh, uh, my neighbor, they, they I wish they were the best neighbors I've ever had. But, well, not the best. But they were up there. Um, but he was a retired Coastie. And they uh, they were renting and then they bought a house. But I learned so much about it. I never knew much about the Coast Guard, but he uh, he taught me a lot. I had no, I mean, they don't have it easy. I mean, right. like you said, we make fun of them, but it's pretty uh, it's pretty intense. Some of the stuff that they do. Yeah, especially- I, don't, I don't think they get the credit they deserve. No, we did drug ops with them um, over by. Um, out by Baja and mm-hmm. it gets pretty intense uh, with those people. Sometimes they, uh, uh, what they have to do and you know what these cartels are capable of and what mm-hmm. these are capable of. And, you know, they, they, they literally drop a plank across the two boats and walk across and board them. And, and uh, we really don't give them enough credit uh, for mm-hmm. what to keep our shores safe. And, uh, but, you know, we have to pick on them because that's just, you know, that's just man standard MO. Well, I think I think it's like Marines. I mean, I I love picking on Marines because it's just too easy to do, you know. 
seconds. <laughs> Too easy. Um, so I want you to walk us through uh, what you're what what you want to do with your book as far as how we address. Um, I wrote it down: veterans in crisis. And yeah. you can go wherever you want with that. Meanwhile, I'm going to look up the book on Barnes and Nobles. And I'm going to look up the book on Amazon and I'm going to put those links in our comments. So if I'm not looking directly at you, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just going to look these sites up so we can. No worries. I'm used to it. And Oscar, thanks for chiming in. Uh, my buddy from the, I met him in a little tiny town in South Texas and he ended up joining the army. Uh, and uh, I've kept in touch with him all these years. And so I'm glad to see that he chimes in once in a while. So Sweet. anyway, so just uh, let's talk about the veterans in crisis and how we, how we address that. And how your book is really, your book's really addressing that. It really is helping people. I mean, I just poured it all out. That's, that's, you know, like I said, it was a book by accident. Um, and I'm just, uh, I'm so glad that the message I wanted to convey is actually being conveyed. Um, I, without giving too much away in the book, um, one of my angels that, that, kind of came into my life was one of my brothers uh, that I was stationed with in Panama. And he had, he knew that my, my German shepherd had just passed away. So he knew I needed a distraction from the demons that were more or less kicking my ass. And he just out of the blue, got a call one day. He, and he, and the reason he knew all this is, you could tell that my Facebook post had kind of taken a dark turn. You know, it's funny how social media, you know, like normally I'm always, you know, posting memes and funny stuff. And that's my normal bubbly, you know, me. But all of a sudden I'm posting these depressing, you know, memes that just were not normal for me. And anybody that knew me knew it wasn't, wasn't, that wasn't me. So he kind of picked up on it. He knew my shepherd had died and, uh, and he, just out of the blue, he called me one day and he said, Hey, um, I got this dog and I was going to keep him for myself. He, he had, he had bred him. He had the mom and the dad and he'd kept the pick of the litter for himself. But I guess he, um, his wife and him decided that the, that they couldn't keep the dog because I think he was having problems with his big brother from a previous litter or something. They had four German shepherds in, in the same house, you know, plus they had four kids and in college and kind of, you know, very crazy, busy house. So he's way up in New York um, and I'm way down here in Florida. And he said, uh, I know you give him a good home, he said, and I'm willing to put him on a plane. And it wasn't like, will it wasn't, would you like this dog? It's like, <laughs> I'm not willing to give him to anybody else but you kind of a thing. Like you're taking this dog. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, I'm like, no, I'm not ready. I'm still grieving my the one that, that died. And, you know, plus I had all that other crap going on, which you'll get to get to in the book. And I said, I just, no, I, I, I'm not ready. I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. He's like, all right, well, think about it. Let me know. I talked to a, a couple friends about it and they're like, are you stupid? What are you crazy? Get the dog. That's exactly what you need. So. I called him and I said, Hey, I think this was like, this was like early August. And I told him I didn't want him to put the dog on a plane. I said, no, don't do that. You know, I'm going to get this dog at a plane. He's not going to know who I am. He's going to freak. I mean, I just, I just didn't feel comfortable with that. 
So I said, if you can hold on to them until Labor Day weekend, I'll I'll drive up and get them. So what a, one of my friends, uh, her mom lives in Philly and she's like, I'll go with you. We'll drive straight through. I'm like, all right. So we left after work on a Friday, drove straight through, got to Philly, spent the night at her mom's house. Um, the next morning I got up, drove to Poughkeepsie, which is only about three hours from Philly and uh, met with him and his family um, and the dog, which wanted absolutely no part of me. I mean, wouldn't even come to me at the house. And I'm looking at my buddy like, are you sure about this? And he's like, he knows what time it is. He's all his brothers from the litter. Do you know, he goes, he knows it's his turn. But by now he's seven months old and he's, oh, how much did he weigh? 70, 70 pounds. So he wasn't a puppy anymore. He was a you know, <laughs> huge puppy is what he was. So he carries him out to the truck, puts him in the truck. We drive from, my daughter was with me. We drove from Poughkeepsie to Philly. When we pulled into my girlfriend's mom's drive, uh, driveway and I opened the back door, it was full of vomit. He had puked all over the backseat of my truck. <laughs> I was like, oh, and I called him and I'm like, is, does he get car sick? He goes, I don't know. He's never been in a car. And I'm like, what? He was at all. I mean, he went to the vet like five minutes away but one day, but that's about it. And I'm like, oh God, this is going to be a long freaking trip to Florida. So we, we got through the night. The next day we, we came back to Florida just in time for a hurricane. Oh and when goodness. we were in New York, it was chilly. It was rainy. It was cold. He's a long haired German shepherd, got a thick coat. We get to Florida. It's Labor Day weekend. It's a hundred degrees. We got a hurricane coming. My friends had already put my boards up on my window. And now we're looking at this house, like, like basically a cave and, Oh, this poor dog. I can only imagine what he was thinking. And he was a freaking hot mess. I mean, the, he was potty trained, but other than that, he ate the drywall in my house. He ate everything like, oh, he was incorrigible. He wanted to kill anything that had more than two legs. He was good with humans. I couldn't even walk him. He'd see a cat, a squirrel, a dog. It could be like two blocks away. And he was pulling me down the street to, to like aggressively. He wanted to kill it. <laughs> and so to say that he was a, a distraction would be an understatement. Um, but you know what? It was exactly what I needed. I had a project. I had something that was taking my mind off all of the demons that had been kicking my ass for several, you know, at that point, a few months. Yeah. And um, we ended up went through a couple dog trainers, were which were no bueno, no bueno at all. But then we found the hey, Vicky. Vicky was my roommate in the Navy in Panama. Oh, she's my sister. I love you, girl. Oh, that just made my day seeing that picture. <laughs> so, she is mentioned in the book, but under a fictitious name. So we won't we won't tell what character. Well, they'll figure it out. She was my roommate in the Navy. She's Nicole. Sorry, Vicky, I ratted you out. You did it to yourself. Love you. Um, so, oh my God, she's, sorry, she distracted me. I I love her. Um, so anyway, he uh, <laughs> I love you too. She um, or Saint. So we finally found a really good dog trainer, and in one day, I realized it wasn't the dog that needed training; it was me. I didn't know how to read my dog. No, I mean, legit. I didn't know how to read my dog. 
I didn't know how to. So the trainer taught me when, when he does this, you know, the, I, t- I learned everything from don't let him make eye contact with another dog. That's how they kind of like will challenge each other. It's a, it's a, it's a, the, the alpha thing, you know what I mean? Or dominance. So I learned everything about dominance, how to read his body language before he would go off, how to correct him when he did, how to teach him who the real boss was, you know, because at that point he thought he was. And then I thought about it and I'm like, okay, I got this dog from this big, strong, extraordinarily masculine Navy SEAL with a very deep voice that just commanded respect. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And now he's got a chick who gets pissed and my voice goes up 10 octaves. You know, I mean... Because the matter I get, the higher my voice gets. I didn't have that big manly, you know, command voice. And it was so weird because, you know, it was from from my friend's personality to my personality was pretty, you know, big difference. Anyway, so now he is my best buddy. He goes everywhere with me. He is so in tune to me that I am and I look back and I go, good Lord, that was you know, my friend was my angel and he gave me the gift of a lifetime. Um, he's now my service dog. He's been certified and, uh, he's been on, you know, we've flown to DC. He's been to the Capitol. He's been to the white house with me. Um, it's just, I, I don't know. And I, and I call my buddy, I tell him all the time, like, man, I'll never, ever, ever be able to thank you enough, you know, because this dog truly played a huge part in saving my life. You know, and so because of that, I'm a big advocate of service dogs for vets and first responders with PTSD. Because when you don't get me wrong, I'm not cured. I'll always have PTSD. We all will. We're all going to have our bad days. We're all going to get triggered at some point or another. Um, one of my triggers is cigarette smoke. Believe it or not, if I smell cigarette smoke, I immediately go into a bad place. Right? What's beautiful about Saint, my dog, is when I get triggered. He picks up on it right away. He, he can sense my anxiety. He knows when I'm in a bad place. So he'll be a goofball or he'll come and he'll distract me. Or you saw him last night when we were talking. That's what was happening. He's not in here right now. I'm going to open the door in a second and then the viewers will get to see him. But um, he, he just, he just knows. He knows when I need that. Yeah. So I, I, I firmly, firmly believe that. We t- and we talked about this last night, you know, my daughter was the one who told me recently that every creature on this earth has its purpose. Every creature, right? Um, my daughter, my daughter is very, very spiritual and I'm very proud of her for that. And we, we got into a, a silly debate, which will never end about, I believe dogs go to heaven and she says they don't and whatever. Okay. Whatever. This is, this is, I just, this, we're just going to agree to disagree on this one because I'm not bending and neither is she, but whatever. But, you know, she says, mom, dogs were put here for humans. They really are man's best friend. So their purpose is for us, you know, and I, and I, and I really believe that. They, they, uh, absolutely. So I'm going to touch on something. I know we, we talked about this a little bit and I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to beat you up with, uh, you know, deep, uh, super in thought questions or anything like that. But I just, you know, my purpose uh, and everybody, you know, I have no problems sharing this with people, telling people way ahead of time, 
you know, there's a reason my podcast is called God Country Coffee. And that's because I'm always going to share the word of God. I'm always going to give him gratitude for everything he's done in my life. You know, I'm always going to bring people on who can value uh, other people. That's the country part. We're supposed to take care of one another. We, we do it better in the military community than the civilian community does it. But that's that's what we're supposed to do. The Christian community does it really well, regardless of what denomination you are. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes, you know, they, they we slack off on both sides and sometimes we get better. Uh, but generally, that's We're what we human. do. Yeah. And coffee is just the vehicle that I'm using to, to run those two things as far as I can. And so I, I know I, I, we talked about this and so I'm not asking you an in-depth or anything like that. But I, I just want to know how God plays in your life because um, you, you've been through a lot of junk. Uh, and you've come through really, really strong. And like I said, I, I you don't need to get in depth or anything, but you know, just let me have your thoughts on that. I know we're getting close to an hour, and I just, that's fine. And Bubba's, Bubba's in here, as you can see. Yeah. Uh, so my daughter just let him in. Um, you know, that's a really good question, and I I cover a lot of it in the book. I mean, I went many years really. I, I really pissed at God, just really angry. Um, I never didn't believe I've always, I've always believed, you know, there was a God that that's never been an issue. Um, but boy, was I angry for a really long time. And, uh, it was the day my daughter was born that I got my faith back. And, um, I'll, t- I'll just tell you the story. Uh, it's in the book. Some people are going to say I'm crazy and that's fine. They're, they have a right to their opinion, but I, I have no reason to lie. So my daughter was born extremely premature. I was on bed rest, um, in the maternity ward. I'd been there for a couple weeks. She wasn't due for another seven weeks or yeah, no, sorry. 10 weeks. She wasn't due for another 10 weeks but she would have been safe at seven weeks, right? I was 29 weeks pregnant and I went into preterm labor and they kept stopping it. And then she went into fetal distress and they couldn't find her heart rate and it was gone. And I had gotten really accustomed to hearing her heartbeat on the fetal monitor that it occurred to me, I couldn't hear it anymore. And then, they're using words like stat and prep the OR and they're rushing around. I mean, it was clearly not business as usual. Right. And uh, the fear set in. And I will tell you that to this day, I have never experienced fear like that. And I never want to, again, I was on a, not a lightweight, like, you know, ambulance gurney. I was on an actual full steel hospital bed, right. You know, that they use in the hospitals, they wheel you around in. And I was trembling so hard. You could hear the metal on the bed rattling. That's how scared I was. Um, adrenaline, fear, all of that. And they kept telling me I had to calm down. I had to calm down because they were going to have to do a spinal to do the C-section. It was going to be an emergency C-section. And anybody that knows about spinal taps, you've got to be perfectly still for those, right? And my whole body was just violently shaking. 
and I couldn't stop it. It was uncontrollable. Um, as they wheeled me into the OR to get ready to get the spinal, it was a female nurse pushing me and the nurse, the anesthetist that was inside was a female and me. There wasn't a man anywhere around at all. And they were just, the female nurse going, honey, you're going to have to calm down. You're going to have to calm down. There were no drugs. They can't give me drugs, right? Because the baby. And then all of a sudden, I heard as clear as day, as clear as I'm hearing you when you speak, I heard a man's voice say to me, everything is going to be all right. And it was like somebody took a warm blanket and literally just wrapped me in it, which wasn't happening, mind you, okay? And I remember looking to see who said it. And I asked the nurse, I go, who, who, who was that? She goes, who was who? I said, who, who said that? And she goes, I don't know what you're talking about, honey. And, I, and about that time, she got me to the middle of the OR and I saw that the nurse anesthetist was a female. And it was, that was it. It was just three of us and we were all females. And I realized, and, and then at the same time, my body went completely calm, like instantly calm that when that warm blanket feeling wrapped around me I was absolutely calm no drugs no no reason and I will tell you to this day that that was God that spoke to me I have no doubt in my mind and that was the day that I, I made a deal with God I said God I said if you if you spare her and I know everybody makes deals with God we're not supposed to do that but when you're desperate you do things right, right. said God if you will spare her if you will please pull her through this I promise you I will change my life I promise you I will be a better person. And that was, that was when God, I guess, as you would put it, I, I let God back into my life. Um, am I perfect? Absolutely not. Do I curse like a sailor and make mistakes every day? Um, but I try, yeah, I do. I'm not perfect, you know, and I, and, but I do try my very, very best to live up to my purpose. Um, I try very hard to set a good example for my daughter. And I think, I think when she was born and it was so scary because she was so little and she was on life support for weeks and, you know, going, going through all the things that, you know, preemies go through. Um, I just remember saying to myself, I want to be the best possible example I can be for her. I want to be somebody that she can be proud of. Right. Cause at that, up to that point, I wasn't not at least, especially in my eyes. Right. I definitely had had my faults. Um, but I hope I, it's hard for me to answer your question because as I told you last night, like I'm not the kind of person that really goes around and talks about religion. I've never cracked a Bible. I can't lie. Um, I'm Catholic. I was raised Catholic. And in my generation, we didn't have Bibles. Um, and we, you and I talked about that last night. Yeah. Uh, my daughter is a freaking religious, religious genius. Like, <laughs> She she could probably go teach most adults at this point. She loves theology and that's her thing. So it's interesting because I'll, if I have a question, I can just go to my 15 year old daughter and she'll tell me, oh, mom, that was the book of such and such. And then she'll explain things to me, you know, and it's it's really cool. Well, but I, I, go ahead. Question, I didn't ask you that question to trip you up. Uh, and, and I didn't read that chapter like we talked. I know about. You're, you're not there yet. I'm not there yet. Uh, but I, I did, you hinted a little bit and I did skim over it a little bit, but I, I didn't read the chapter. And, uh, 
you have no idea how far ahead you are half you know of the Christians in this country because of all the Christians in this country you know very few of them uh, have a deep belief in God that God can still talk to them that God can still do miracles and, and I will tell you that I, and, and we're not going to talk about it today, but there are two instances in our, in our life, in my life, that were absolute God. Had nothing, there was no other way it could have been anything else but God. And, uh, you know. How do you explain the unexplainable? It's got to be God. It's God. Yeah. It's absolutely 100% God. And especially when you when you have a belief in God, like I was raised Catholic too. I was raised in church. I wasn't raised in Christ. And there is a difference. In our generation, I was never encouraged to read my Bible. I just wasn't. I didn't it, even have a Bible. <laughs> yeah. We went to private Catholic military schools. So we had Bibles, you know, and we had class. And But still, it didn't matter because, you know, I really wasn't encouraged to read anything but the but the four gospels. And there's so much more in the Bible that talks about the things that God does in our lives. Um, you know, in James and all the letters of that Paul wrote, not just a couple of them. And so it's just people don't man, I I serve a true living God who still works in our lives today, right now. And I know that for a fact because he has done the same kinds of things in our life that he did in your life. And it's a turning point for us. It opens our eyes like he really is there and he really is willing to work on me. And so if he's willing to do that and and I'm just like you, listen, I fail God daily. I am a hypocrite in every sense of the word. I will tell you all day long about God and I will turn around and just be a turd about stuff. And, you know, it's, it's because we're flesh and we're human and we're human. The only perfect person that ever walked this earth died on a cross mm-hmm. and he only perfect person that will ever walk this earth. And so the rest of us are, are, you know, we're not infallible. We're, we have our, our, our problems and our issues. And, um, my mother's calling me. She calls me almost every week during my podcast. It's hilarious. And, uh, but it's on purpose or just, it's just the way it happens. She just doesn't pay attention and, oh yeah. Yeah, And so she doesn't have our moms. She doesn't have any issues, you know. She doesn't. For, she pretends to forget things, but she really doesn't. Yeah, and she's pretty sharp, and she's 80, 82 years old or something. It's pretty. It reminds cool. me of that commercial that was out recently, where the guy's out there and he's in the middle of doing combat or whatever, and his mom calls him, and she goes, you know, she just starts talking, and he's like, kind of busy, mom. You know, <laughs> well, now wait a minute, I need to talk to you. That's my mom. My mom will do that to me all the time. Like, mom. Yeah. You please just say, do you have a minute? You know, and I and I will tell you, but I don't. I can't let it go to voicemail. She'll just call me right back. Yeah, my mom, she's a trip. Mom's pretty good. She'll wait till I call her back, or she'll call my wife. You know. Anyway, uh, first off, I I I want to tell you thank you. Uh, I asked you that last question for a reason because I there's so much in that book that people need to read. They need to buy the book now. I I put in the comments. I put the Barnes and Noble link to your book and I put the Amazon link to your book. Thank so, you. Uh, uh, I've, there's been a lot of people watching and commenting on, on all three platforms that I have. Uh, I just I'm excited. I can't wait to see him. I don't get to see that on my screen. So yeah. when you put the one of Vicky up, you got me all excited. 
Yeah, and so uh, and Justin uh, has been commenting. I guess where you went and got your dog is not too far from where he lives. That's right. That's right. And, we talked about that last night. And so anyway, uh, I thank you for taking time out. I mean, time is valuable to us, right? It's it's uh, uh, you know when I get done here, I'm gonna go you know sit with my wife and talk about her day and and do the normal things that we do. Uh, but I really appreciate you taking the time out. Thank um, you for having me. And your story is incredible and don't stop. Don't change who you are. Push that to the end. Get on every single one of these podcasts that you can get and talk about your book and talk about your story and your struggles because somebody out there needs to hear it. And I, I know that, you know, as we talked, you're not very religious in the sense of what you think religion is, but you have no idea how religious you are, how spiritual you are. Uh, you have it's a not that it's just I've just have always considered it like a private thing. It's it's like right. my relationship with God is 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 a personal private relationship with God, and I don't know why I am like that. I don't I don't know. I wish I could explain it better. I think we were raised that way, honestly. I think our mindset was, you know, you go to church on Sunday and then you just keep quiet. You know, well, we, when we said prayer with dinner, and I said my bedtime prayers, and to this day I still do those things. You know. When we sit at the table, I pray for the troops. I pray for the first responders. You know, we have the very traditional. As Catholics, we're very traditional. Traditional. But we don't sit around and we don't discuss scripture, right? And and you know, again, you said it perfectly. It's Thank your you, Ranger Dan. God. Uh, it is absolutely one hundred percent your walk with Christ. It is not my walk for you with Christ. It's not your walk with your daughter. It is your walk. And you walk that walk however you want to walk it. As long as you're walking with God, who cares? Uh, Just trying but, to be the best me. But but the story about your daughter being born, I think, can reach so many people. And it doesn't have to be a big, you know, you don't need to get into anything personal. But that's pretty personal. But that story that is in your book, I would totally highlight that story. And, and yes, my, I'm a little bit slanted. I'm very much trying to live my life for God, even though I fail constantly, I still do. And that is my priority. And I tell people all the time, I put God way out in front of my business because without God, I don't have a business. I don't have anything. And so, and I believe that, but, but that little story, that small part of this whole collective project that is your life basically in this book is so powerful and can touch so many people, veterans and civilians and first responders alike. And, you know, people, people need to know on a regular basis that God is alive and well. God is doing works in people's lives daily. And he saves people like me who people always ask me, hey, JR, how you doing? And I always tell them the same thing, better than I deserve. Oh, I like that one. I am absolutely doing better than I deserve. And so I'm going to leave uh, our audience with one thing. I'm going to ask you to hang on because as soon as I end this, we'll stay in the green room. Uh, I, I will tell you, I, and I told Donna this yesterday, um, I always like to quote Joshua 1 and 9. Joshua 1 and 9 says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou goes. And I want you to understand what, what that means is that when your family turns their back on you, when your friends don't answer your phone calls, when your battle buddies don't call you, when your confidant, people that you confide in, 
ignore you, whatever. When everybody turns their back, there is always one inexhaustible resource that will never turn his back on you, and that's God. And that's why you are never, ever, ever alone. So with that, thank you for joining in God Country Coffee Episode 10. It was definitely awesome, and I, I can't wait to see what this thing does in the days to come. I'm, I'm sure this episode is going to blow up on on uh, on the uh, uh, audio part as well, uh, and it always grows in days to come. Uh, and I, you know, I encourage you to come back and share it. And and uh, folks, if you watch this on the replay, put a hashtag replay, put hashtag d dot a dot michaels, uh, or, or put her name on there when you when you watch the replay. Let her know that you're watching it. Show her some love. Buy her book. And, uh, and let's all lift each other up and let's all treat each other the way God intended us to treat one another with love, kindness, and respect until next week. God bless. Thank you. Good night. <laughs>